This is a free download from the BBC. For more information, go to bbc.co.uk slash podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, can you all be upstanding for your host, Mr Ian Lee? What? Don't, do, don't say upstanding. Because why would they stand? They're listening to me. They might be listening on a oh, bus yeah. or driving in a what car. What should I say then? Please be seating. No. Please. I feel like there needs to be an extra no, sentence. Just like okay. So it's going to be, ladies and gentlemen. Can I have echo? Oh, <coughs> right. Okay. So try. There we go. <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, please. I feel like there needs to be another line in there. Please Would welcome. You, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host, Ian Lee. Hi, thank you for that. Thank you. This is Ian Lee. Welcome to my BBC Three Counties podcast. Podcast. Sorry. This is the weekly best of my show, which goes out Mondays to Fridays, six to nine on BBC Three Counties. Lots coming up in this episode, including this. I can never be reformed in my thoughts of agony and pain. When I visit my son's grave. This? When will you get the figures in and how many extra papers you've shifted? That is not what this is about. Okay. Okay. I've already said to you. Of course it's not. And more than just a little bit of this. Oh, no! No, it's not fair! Oh, no, don't put the roof on! Oh, it's not fair! Oh, no, Mum! Don't put Mum! Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. If you're a regular listener to my show, congratulations on that, by the way, you'll know how I value my team and how I never mock them or give them difficult challenges. Especially not on air. That would be bullying. This is a a problem that they say was endemic in the system. Final question, Paul. Um, Nine times seven? Uh, That would be 63. Did you just use your phone? No. I've got a trick for the nine times table, though. Uh, is it your fingers? It is my fingers. How does the... Because I, I, producer Chara tried to explain the fingers one. I couldn't get it. OK, what's... Uh, w- w- four times nine? Uh, 31. 30, 36. Oh, yeah! Right. <laughs> All right. So you put down... So you hold your hand up. Yeah. And then you put down... So facing you... Yeah. You want to do three times nine, right? Be with you in a second, Adam. Nice, all you right. can do this as well. We're holding our fingers in front so of us, three yes. Three times seven. Okay, you put down your, your third finger along. Three times seven? Yeah. Oh, three times nine. Oh, so anyway, it's nine. Yeah, yeah so third nine. finger, yeah. Yeah, so you've got a third finger down. And on to the, to the left of the finger, how many are up? Two. And to the right of it, how many? Seven. Twenty-seven! Twenty-seven, you see. <gasps> That's that voodoo. Across the board, yeah. Oh, wow. So eight, eight, times, eight times nine. Um, hang, oh, oh, hang on. So eight is... Uh, 72. 72. That's brilliant. OK, try, mm-hmm. try, try this one. Nine times 12. Aha! Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 108. Uh, Double oh. Road in Luton. I was all right at times tables. I've done very little math since, but I'm all right with it. All right, teachers, pet. Go and give teacher another apple, Adam, and then do your travel news, you swat. You're getting a dead arm after this. Oh. BBC.co.uk slash three counties. Six times four. Six times four is 24. Seven times eight. Oh, stop it. I don't like it. (laughs) I don't like it. Nine times three. A lot. Don't ask me any more questions. Well, no. Don't. 
I'm going to... Listen, the reason I'm doing I'm this... I'm really, really bad at maths. Really bad. Well, I'm not bad at maths, but I panic. Four times three. Stop it. That's 12. 12, I know. <laughs> Nine-year-olds are going to be taught to their 12 times table. Good, they can help me. You're, you're, I mean, what are you, 42 now? And you... <laughs> and you not quite. Yeah, yeah, not quite. You can't do it. I can do it. But 11 just, times 12. Stop it. It's only words. And words are all I have to take your heart away. There was a cracking interview with the BG that's left. I can never remember which one's which. The one that looks like a lion. Anyway, he hated the other two. They hated each other. And you'd think now the other two have passed, he'd be a bit, you know... Oh, I miss those guys. But it doesn't at all. Incredible. Anyway, uh, the Bee Gees, words. I, I love 60s Bee Gees. Not so keen on 70s, hate 80s. 60s Bee Gees, I think, are fantastic. That and Gotta Get a Message to You, wonderful, wonderful songs. And when that came on, oh, what a romantic song. Beautiful, gorgeous. Who, who could have anything apart from good memories associated with that? Well, someone who could have uh, bad memories with that is uh, uh, Kelly Betts. Morning, Kelly Betts. Morning. Now, Kelly, you were just telling me a little story while that song was playing. What's your association with that song? Oh, I feel a bit sick just thinking of it. So there's this boy that I really liked at school. Yep. And he came over during that song at a school disco. Lovely. Said, would you like a dance? Oh, Heart in my mouth. Of course, I'd like a dance. Yeah. Had a little dance uh, during the song. During our dance, he kissed another girl. I don't understand. The... While I was in his arms. I don't understand the the, the geography of this. Yeah. How could he kiss someone else while he was holding you and dancing I don't with you? Really know. His head just wasn't. He leant in over it. and kissed. Someone <laughs> his else. head was in something. He leant over and kissed someone else. For a while, I didn't know. Do I just stand here and carry on, or do I leave? Or so I went and sat down, but I don't think he noticed. Oh no, <laughs> Kelly Betts. Well, listen, if you've, we can throw that out there, if you've ever been humiliated at a school disco, oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. BBC.co.uk slash three counties. Catherine, yes. any chance you could do a bit longer? I'll tell you why. I'm joined by Tony Fisher for a, for a very important story, and he's just telling me... Well, you were just explaining to me how you messed up your radio alarm. That's right. I accidentally uh, changed the time. The, the alarm... The, the, the change the time on the clock. So I'd like to get the end of this story, Catherine. Okay. So can you just do a bit? Um, Is that all right? I, well, uh, yeah. Hang on. I, I'm going to fade our microphones down and get the end of this, and you, you carry on and do your bit, OK? OK. There we go. This is, this is from the other day, but you already know this. Traffic police numbers in the UK have been cut by almost 13% I'm going to stop you, Catherine. Over the last no, five Catherine, years. Catherine. Oh, come on. No, it's, it turns out it's actually quite a boring story, so I'm going to wrap that up, if that's OK. OK. Cheers. Happy to help. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. So, hey, whoa. Calm down. So, Andy Murray won Wimboringdon. That was mentioned once or twice on my show this week. I'm not a huge sports fan by any stretch of the image. Uh, and the, the, the game left yesterday left me feeling a bit... Uh... Do you agree with me? I, I'm not the only one, it turns out. I got a lot of abuse on uh, Friday. I, I did watch a little bit, only because I had money riding on it. Uh, a, a little bit of the game between uh, Murray and the giant pole. Okay, so I watched a little bit of it. I did lose a bit of respect for Andy Murray. Did you see the bit when he was told the roof was going to be put back on? They're going to put the roof on. 20 to 9. Okay. And Andy Murray went, 
Oh no, no, it's not fair. Oh no, don't put the roof on. Oh, it's not fair. Oh no, mum, don't, mum, don't put the roof on. And I just thought, you miserable. It's like a 12-year-old being told that the Xbox is being turned off unless he goes and tidies his room. Oh, no, don't turn me Xbox. I don't, I don't want to tidy my room. I guess it was awful. I thought it was childish. I thought it was awful. I thought he was a spoiled brat, and I thought he was disrespectful to the judges. And I tweeted this. Oh, the abuse I got. A proper... It was a flippant comment before I went out for my supper. The abuse I got. I got some strong swear words. Yes, the strongest. I got horrible hashtags invented about me. It was disgusting. Only because I said, this is pretty much what I said, any respect I've had for Andy Murray, I've lost since he whinged like a 15-year-old girl and disrespected the officials. Oh, no, don't, no, don't shut the room. It's no fair. Oh, it's no fair. No, mum. It was awful. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. Has Andy Murray's win left you feeling a bit... Uh. <laughs> Sorry, that was such a great rant. <laughs> oh, brilliant. You would you probably missed this on Friday when yeah. they shut the roof. It was embarrassing, Joe. <laughs> oh, no, don't make no. me put my shoes by the front door. No. 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 It was awful, Dealey. Well, I'm glad he did it just to get that uh, rant from you, which was uh, 10 out of 10. Highly impressive. Back to your best this morning, aren't you, boss? <laughs> <laughs> it's because you're back, Justin. I feel oh, I have to prove myself. Now, listen, of course, Andy Murray, front page of all the newspapers. He won Wimbledon. The first British, and we have to specify this, the first British man to win Wimbledon in 77 years because who was the last Brit to win Wimbledon? Uh, go on, tell me. Virginia Wade. Oh, I, Virginia Wade, I of course. I think in 1977, yes. thereabouts. Lovely, lovely. About. The thing I asked you to, to have a look into this morning, Justin, was, was the, the, this feeling. Are there more people like me who feel a bit meh or, 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 or is the whole nation filled with pride yeah. at this multi-millionaire tennis player winning even more money? Oh, it doesn't surprise me, I have to say. You know, yesterday, historic moment. Yeah. Uh, the first uh, male British winner in 77 years. And you've come in this morning and you've got the ump. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> but um, I think it is fantastic for the game. I think it will make a, a big, big impact. But uh, yesterday in Hertfordshire, today I'm in Lucent. I've been asking people the question you've been asking, which is rather weird. Um, has Murray's win made you feel a bit... Uh, and... Uh, this is what happened. Andy Murray's won Wimbledon. Has it left you feeling rather, uh, do you not really care? No, well done to him. He deserves it. He yeah. worked hard for it, but I'm not really into tennis. So you weren't jumping for joy yesterday? You're not waking up, punching the air, going, yes, he's finally done it? No. <laughs> Tony, all the front pages this morning, all about Andy Murray. Do you really care? Has it left you feeling a bit, mm, not really fussed? No, not fussed all that much, mate. It's not my cup of tea. He don't like us if we lose at football, the English. He wants us to lose, so why should I want him to win? So as far as you're concerned then, a Scottish man has won Wimbledon, not a British man. Yeah, definitely. Wayne, we've got Ian Lee back in the studio, who's a bit negative this morning, saying that Andy Murray's victory yesterday did absolutely nothing for him. How are you feeling today? Um, the opposite. Yeah? He's done Britain proud 
first time you know, since 77 years, since 77 years. So to me, I've woken up this morning thinking, you know, well done. It's inspirational and it's a good thing for British tennis. You're going to find lots, loads of youngsters coming through now, um, fighting to find a local court, play, and it's just wonderful. So you seriously are waking up with a spring in your step because of yesterday? I am. And my first customer, which was in Luton, he had a newspaper out, oh. holding a trophy. And I was there having a five-minute chat with him, oh. saying, well done, Handy Moe, well done. Oh, grow up, mate. <laughs> grow up. You don't know him. He doesn't know you. He doesn't care about you. Well, I think some people are going to be negative, and I'll tell you why. Because, yeah. it, because it's Andy Murray. Yeah. Now, he's got a, an incredibly attractive girlfriend. He is a multi-millionaire. She's an eight, he's a five. <laughs> he's just one Wimbledon. And still, it's like, yeah, come on, mate. Life is good. Embrace it. You are right now, right up there. The nation love you. Be happy, Andy. Be happy. Come on. <laughs> Across beds, hearts and bucks This is Ian Lee BBC Three Counties Radio Now this morning we've been talking about life sentences Should life mean life? The European Court of Human Rights will deliver a ruling later today On an appeal against the whole life sentences Given to three convicted murderers from the UK Jeremy Bamber, Douglas Vinter and Peter Moore They claim that uh, uh, being forced to spend their rest of their lives behind bars Is against their human rights That it's cruel and degrading Well, uh, joined now on the line by Ralph from Hertfordshire. Ralph uh, got in touch with us. Good morning, Ralph. Good morning. I know that you have strong feelings about this. Tell me your story. Um, Well, 30 years ago, my son was murdered. And uh, I believe the uh, criminal who committed the crime served his prison sentence. He's probably now out enjoying a life with a family of his own. Um, I am still suffering and my family still suffer after 30 years. Nobody has ever asked the victims' families what they feel. The judges sit on their seats and think, well, let's get them out and reform him. But I can never be reformed in my thoughts of agony and pain when I visit my son's grave. Can I ask, and if, if I go into too much detail, then, then, then just tell me to stop. How old was your son when he was murdered? 17. 17, and this happened 30 years ago? Yes. And do you know, and don't give us any names, but do you know how long the murderer was sentenced to? No, he was, my son was in France at the time, and he was on his way home from picking grapes and that, and uh, he was assaulted and strangled. And uh, I don't know, because it uh, all in French and everything. I got his body home after four weeks, and he's buried in half a chair. And how did you get the news that your son had been killed like this? Um, two police officers uh, come to my door one Sunday night and said the body of a young man believed to be British, and my son had uh, uh, he's had a tattoo. That's how they um, got him. But previously, before that, I'd been my house had been burgled six months, and the police had all our uh, fingerprints to eliminate any fingerprints they found in the house. And that's how they identified him. I never did see his body, because it was a month before we got him home. You know? I'm just trying... You know, I'm, I'm a dad, I've got two young boys, and I'm just... Uh, I, I can't even begin to I- imagine what that loss feels like. But the, the, the gentleman, or the, the person who killed your son, as you say, is probably out, has probably been released. How does that make you feel? Well... 
probably a bit envious, jealous, I, I, I don't know. Maybe he should have served his life, if life prison. I don't know if he got life imprisonment. He may have got 20 years. But the, the victims and a lot of people out here in the country who have suffered family loss through murder, we suffer every day. And it, we get no release by judges sitting in court saying, never mind, in six years' time you'll be a reformed person, you'll get over it. You never get over it. We spoke earlier on, Ralph, I don't know if you heard, we spoke to Eric Allison, who is uh, the Guardian's prison correspondent, yeah. an ex-offender, and he said uh, that, that, that murderers should be given at least the glimmer of hope that maybe one day they might be released. Well, to do the crime again, as, as you said, they come out and murder again. Every criminal or most criminals go to court and say they're innocent. There's not many put their hand up and say, yes, I did it, and send me to prison. They're all innocent of what they've done until it's proved that they're not innocent. And they seem to think that uh, crime does pay. And this, as you said, this 30 years ago, this is a life sentence for you, isn't yes, it? You yes. and your family. Yes. How does it affect you now, Ralph? Um, yes, I, I, I live a normal life as uh, going to work. Or, well, not I've retired now, but doing things. But I still visit and talk to him in the, uh, his grave after it was 1980 he was uh, killed. And uh, it's 33 years, really. I still talk to him and uh, perhaps ask him to forgive me for not looking after him, you know, to protect him when he needed protecting. But it's the victims who should have the, their say. The victims' families should be able to stand up in court and say, no, I don't want him to be released. Why should he be released? I'm not released from the torment and the pain and, and the taking away my son's future. He'd be 50 years old now, wouldn't he, yes. your boy? yes. Uh, probably a family of his own. And and do you, do you often you know imagine what it would be like if he was still here? Yes, I often wonder if. In fact, when he was killed, I used to walk around looking to see if it was him, and I you know a mistake had been made. Mm. And especially when I went to France afterwards, um, travelled through France a lot. Every per every time you see a back of someone walking down a motorway or a, a street, you think, well, "Is that my son who's walking down there?" You, you you imagine all kinds of things that you see him everywhere, but any you never see him. You only see in your heart and your mind. If you've committed a crime, and you must be able to say to yourself, "Well, I put my hands up. I've done it. I deserve the sentence I'm getting." Ralph, you said uh, that you didn't know what had happened to uh, the, the person that murdered your son because it was all in French and it was 33 years ago. Yeah. You didn't know how long he got. You didn't know if he was alive. You didn't know if he'd been released. No. Would it help you to know what happened to the murderer? And not now. Maybe 20 years ago, but not now. Um, there, there's a blanket been drawn over it all, and I just live with the memory, as with my family live with the memory. And friend, even one of his friends still visits his grave on his birthday mm. after 33 years. He still visits his grave and puts a, a small flower or something to say, thanks for your friendship, Michael. 
This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. You're listening to the Ian Lee prod- podcast from BBC Three Counties. What's that you're reading, Kath? Uh, a little bit about apparently you in the Radio Times. Oh, am I? <laughs> it turns out you're quite talented. Yes, yes. Did you yeah. write this? Well, no, it's an interview with me. Just remind me, the, the listener, of some of uh, my... Well, I'm drawn immediately to the worst moment. Oh, um, no, no, don't read that. A That's... listener letting loose a stream of the C word. Yeah, no, that was that was a long time show. ago and wouldn't happen now. Read some of the nice... And your dumping button failed to work. Have you got a dumping button here? Read some of the nice things about me in there. I'm a nice... I'm a nice guy. It says there, nice. Secret skills. Yeah. I play the ukulele. Okay. It's very joyous and my boys love it. That's a I'd nice... Like to speak to your boys about that. That's a nice thing. What and you... I used to be a stage hypnotist. Oh. I worked with Paul McKenna. That's... Go on. Yeah. Hypnotise me. Oh, you will shut up. <laughs> yeah, see? You can only hypnotise intelligent people. Let's see what else happened on my show this week. <laughs> Every few seconds getting that hit of a, of a laugh. Nick Coffer. Weekdays from 12. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, nice bit of keyboard there at the end of that. Yeah. I, I would say, I would say, you and I do the best shows. Nick Coffer gets the best trails. His show is excellent. No, it, no, no, his show is excellent. But let's be honest, we're class. <laughs> Um, but Nick Coffer gets the best trails. Pourquoi? Pourquoi? He does. He's got very good trails. He's excellent trails. And, <laughs> and a very, very good show. I would give it 7 out of 10. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I've been nasty. I would, I would, I wouldn't give it that much. I'm joking again. I'm not joining him with no, any I, listen, of this. I'm... Nick Coffer's show is brilliant. But did you hear the one where it's, it's, he's going to be at some garden fete or something? Is nature. There's an orchestra playing. It sounds amazing. We don't get that. The best you get is oh. um, coming up on the J. Show. I'll be asking about bills. <laughs> they do that effect, so it sounds like you're on the phone. <laughs> so tell me about your broken bed. <laughs> they do that, don't they? <laughs> Why do they do that? <laughs> Why do they make you sound like you're on a, a phone or on a medium wave radio? <laughs> All this time and effort to get us on DAB, <laughs> and then they make the show sound like it comes down a telephone line. Earlier this week, I spoke to Frank Bruno's daughter. Yeah. Frank Bruno's daughter. Frank Bruno's daughter. Frank Bruno's daughter. <laughs> Frank Bruno's daughter. <laughs> Hear what she had to say. Had to say. Had to say. That is very funny. It's, it's true. It's true. Um, what's on your show this morning? Oh, oh, you're right. Coming up at big. Uh, no, I just took took it out of me. All that laughter. Then that was, uh, <laughs> I was a little worried. I might be about to have a seizure. Oh gosh, no! You've got a jumper on. I've just noticed. It's cold in here, isn't it? It's the second hottest day of the year. It's going to be thirty degrees. Yes, it's nice out there. Not in this overly air-conditioned building. You've got a jersey with a t-shirt on. Under. It's like we work in an abattoir in here. It's so cold. In more ways than one. It's like a like a butcher's fridge. Coming up at nine on the big phone in, is that? Are you all right? <laughs> butcher's fridge is a lovely phrase. Well, it is so, isn't it? It's like a butcher's fridge. It is, and it, mainly because it's blood-stained walls as well. <laughs> It stinks of rotting meat. Three Counties Radio. Well, there is a smell at Three Counties Radio. There is a smell there at Three Counties smell. Radio. Getting back to Nick Coffer. M- what? You're what? blaming Nick Coffer? No, no, but... Ooh. Anyone that's ever been into our building here, you'll notice there's a foul smell. It, it does stink. No-one's ever been able to work out what it is. No. It's in the fabric. 
Coming up at nine on the big phone-in today, is there ever a good reason to drive children to school? I've been very interested in this story, particularly as a Hertfordshire resident myself. Hearts County Council have introduced a park-and-stride scheme to encourage parents to walk their children to school. The plan, park in a nearby multi-storey car park for free for up to two hours and then walk the final five minutes to school. It's being trialled at Samuel Lucas, JMI and Hitchin because there's no space in their, t- in their own car park and the school's already planning new buildings to take on more pupils. Well, I live in Hertfordshire and I've just had a letter through to say Hertfordshire County Council has been consulting with all the schools mm. and we've got all these proposals. We're going to shut your road. That's one of their ideas. They're going to shut my road. Oh, isn't that nice of them? Over my dead body, they they want to shut the end of the road. So I went. They had this consultation at the local junior school last week. Well, I went striding along, didn't I? As soon as it opened at four o'clock, I spoke to the council member. I said, "What's this stupid idea about shutting my road?" He said, "Well, we've been consulting, and the parents are saying that it's too busy to cross the road." I said, "Oh, I see. So you're going to shut my road to to mean that everyone has to go all the way around the block to get in." And you're doing it because you think that's going to suddenly encourage parents to walk their children to school. Are you stupid? Do you honestly think that's going to stop all the four-by-fours rocking up outside the school, dropping off Tamara and Tarquin for their... I mean, for goodness sake, what do they think it is? They're, They're shutting roads? They're putting these great big lumpy zebra crossings everywhere? Hertfordshire's going to grind to a halt. All because parents, apparently, are now going to start saying, no, we won't drive the children to school. It's mm. so safe out there. We'll just let them walk. Yeah. They're not, though, are they? <laughs> They're not. <laughs> of all the stories, I expected you to get passionate... They're going to shut my road. ..and angry about. Shut my road. This was not it. I'm livid. I've sent a f- stinking email... I'll have to drive. It will add about five minutes onto my journey to and from work every day. You should. Th- this is what you need to do. The Consumer Hour, which you know I'm a huge fan of, mm. ditch it for the next month and make this your campaign, JVS's campaign, to stop your road being shut. It's bang out of order. But if I thought it was going to work, I'd be behind it. Yeah. But it's not. Yeah. Because, the, and you hit on this earlier, the reason that parents drive their children to school is there's a whole host. Mainly, it's easy. Yeah. Uh, B, they kind of, it's part of their day, isn't it? Oh, no, it's OK, because we drop the children off on the way to work, or yep. we drop the children off and, I, and then I go off to the gym after that, or whatever. I drop the children off because, you know, I don't want them to be assaulted by a weirdo or a pervert on the way to... There's all these reasons. <laughs> I don't want the... The roads are too busy. Oh, gosh. You know what I mean? Do you want to start now? I, I'll go and you can I'm do I'm very next... fired up about this. I can tell. From nine, is there ever a good reason to drive children to school? Nine times six. 248. <laughs> <laughs> Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. He's still banging on about it. Here's a juicy montage of some of the calls I've had to the show this week. The topics include appendicitis, breastfeeding, and should a life sentence actually mean a life sentence? You know the name Geoffrey Bamber, very nasty gentleman, killed lots of uh, members of his family. Oh, it goes against his human rights that he's going to be in prison forever. Steve uh, has uh, is on the line. Morning, Steve. Morning. What do you think? Should life mean life? Well, if you're going to put me in life, we should have a good hanging outside the town hall every Saturday and hang them all, but, all the lifers. But then that would mean death. Yeah, well, so what? I mean, we, we, <clears throat> what do you think the army does to keep us safe? 
Sorry? They kill cherries, they kill other bad people. So what's the, what's the difference? Why don't we kill the bad people in our society, but they can't do it again? We're not... We, like, waste of money. Steve, I, uh, shall, I, shall I give you... We're not going to do should we bring back hanging. Shall I tell you why we can never bring back hanging in this country? Oh, go on then. Or shall I tell you why? It's an, it's an, it's an excellent reason. Because we have murdered innocent people before. Well, so if there's that. a chance, if oh. there's a chance that we could ki- we could hang the wrong person as we have done in the past, we can never bring it back. Yes, we can because we've got better technology now. Better, um, uh, you've got DNA. You've got other right. pr- better procedures. So still, you, you've got less chance. You've got less chance. You've got less better chance. Better. You're right, Steve. Yeah. You've got less chance, but there is still a chance we would the state well, would execute is, the wrong person. Way, I'd rather hang ten, and if one is innocent. Wow, I'm afraid it's a ten percent. Breath life. Ten <laughs> percent. Imagine, imagine if that that if that ten um, percent in that ten percent, one of them was your your yeah, son. Yeah, I know we're going to say that. I know, but that's, would that that's be all right? Reality. Of course, it would be all right. Well, then there you reality. go. It would be someone's son that yeah, was yeah, killed. Surely, if someone's in that scenario, they must be close to that. <laughs> <laughs> They've got to be within the vicinity of that area. Of oh. the so they they probably deserve to die anyway. No, not really. No, but you, you're being you're being unrealistic. You no, you're being unrealistic. Saying if someone is at least if someone has been accused of that murder, right? Let, let, let's, let's use a fictional scenario. If someone has been accused of that murder, even if they're innocent, the fact they've been accused means they were probably nearby anyway. Well, not I've been a bit more involved in the situation. Not not walking past or driving past in a vehicle. Right. You know what I mean. But at the end of the day, surely we should get. Why should we pay for a prisoner for life? It's cheaper to put them in the rich than it is to get them locked up. You might as well put them in the rich when you're going to give them life. Why not just hang them? Save us millions. I've told you why we can't hang them, Steve, because we, we, have, killed, we have killed innocent people before. Well, we can't been, do that again. Hold on, hold on. Let's go for innocent people. What about all the wars that we've just had the last ten years? How many innocent people do you think we've killed? Far too many, Steve. Far well, too many. So your argument is squash. We've killed no, my argument, my argument is valid, because I don't think we should be killing those people either. Steve, we're going off on a tangent, as always. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Elton John pulled out of Hyde Park because of his appendix. Front page of the sun, Elton, I nearly died. It's just a stomachache, man. For goodness sakes. Dave's in Luton. Is Elton John being a wimp, David? He's not, mate. What, sorry? He's not. You don't, know how, you don't want to have it. I don't, well, I don't want to have anything, but I'm, who knows? No, Especially appendix, you're just saying appendix there, it just seems it is a little sore throat or something. Well, it's in your stomach. Yeah, it's the most dangerous thing you can have on your in your body. R- r- what? Tell me more, I Dave, what's your I story? Nearly, I nearly died at the age of 12 because the doctor said I'd been eating crab apples with stomach pains. Two days later, I was at the Luton uh, Children's Annex yeah. fighting for my life. Because it all burst inside oh, me. Oh! Oh! For peritonitis. Yeah, 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 I don't know what that is, but it's a word. So, do, do, what, do they, they go in and rip your appendix out? Yeah, because it bur- on the end of the appendix, if it bursts, it goes all into your body, and it's called peritonitis. Appendix but- is such a nice word, isn't it? It's, it's the thing you get at the back of a book. Yeah, but it's not a pe- not peritonitis. It's, no. And I lay dangerously over a month... And that, and that to drain it all out of you. Oh my! And that is a very, very serious problem. Would you? Okay. Well, Dave, listen. I guess this is, this is the question on everyone's lips. Would you, at the age of twelve, been able with with that uh, appendix problem, been able to perform um, Crocodile Rock at Hyde Park? I'm, I'm, you were saying about taking what, what tablet? Yeah, take I'm a couple of Neurofen. 
No, I took tablets and tablets, and the pain was horrific. How he's standing up, I don't know, because the pain was so horrific. Yeah. You just crowned over. You can't. See. He can't sing. Yeah, well, that, let's not get personal, Dave. Let's let's just stick to the medical issue. Yeah. <laughs> so you're saying that Elton John would not still be standing? He shouldn't be. No. Well, again, let's not get personal, Dave. <laughs> no. 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 Oh, okay. it, it is. It's a very. It's a very serious thing. It's not rectified. Here's the thing. I remember a, a, a child at school with the wonderful name of Orlando Kelly. What a great name! And he had his appendix uh, taken out at the age of ten. Right? Yeah. And I remember Dave. In the way that kids are want, I remember being very, very jealous of Orlando Kelly having his appendix taken out. In fact, appendix. They might as well take it out from the birth. It's like your tonsils. They're no good, what? and this is what the uh, medical people are saying. Then why have we got it then? Well, it, it goes from when you uh, from an ape, from the years and years ago. Same as your tonsils; they're not worth it in your body. Nor is your appendix, and other things in your body are not worth it to be there. And they're saying about when you're a baby to take them out, yeah. to save the national health service money. That's the best. That's on. the best thing. Let, let's cut open babies and take their tonsils and appendix out. Yeah, let's do it. Because they're, not, they're nothing inside your body. Dave, the, thank you. The campaign starts here on BBC Three Counties Radio. I want all newborn babies to have their appendix and tonsils ripped out of them at birth, thereby saving the uh, National Health Service a lot of money. Ken's in Luton. Morning, Ken. Morning, Ian. What do you think about breastfeeding? Well, it's just beyond belief what some people carry on with. I mean, the old boy that told her off, most probably goes and eats his lunch sitting down in the carriage reading the sun. Doesn't he, eh? Hey. That's, he thinks that's what they're for. Ah, yes. Ah, of course, page three, yes. See, I mean, the only place where I think it's undignified to breastfeed is sitting on the toilet. Don't you reckon? Did your mum do that with you? I don't know. No. She might have put me head first down at all. Oh, for goodness know. sakes, Kenneth. Dearie me. Well, I would hope... Yeah. I, well, saying that, listen, I, I know some of our listeners, there probably are some mums. You know, when baby's hungry, baby got to feed. Oh, blimey. Would you want to be a baby? Eh? Would I want to be a baby? I'm not... Mind <laughs> you, they most probably reckon... Yes. Katie Price's babies are going to be obese. There we go. OK, thank you very much indeed. He made the joke... They'll never go hungry. There we go. Right, thank you very much. The front page of Thursday's Sun featured a picture of Paul Gascoigne with the headline, Don't Give This Man a Drink. Readers were encouraged to cut the page out and stick it up in boozers and off-licences. Well, I thought this front page was a little bit distasteful, so we spoke to the editor of The Sun, David Dinsmore. But before that, have a listen to Pauline, who called in about her daughter and her daughter's battle with alcohol. First of all, it's she started on drugs and then she got off the drugs and went on to the alcohol, which to me is a worse... It's worse than drugs. Um, People will be surprised to hear you say you think alcohol is worse than drugs. What, why is that? How does it affect your daughter? It affects your life far worse. She was constantly drunk. She was walking around. She had two small children and she was walking around with one under her arm and a sick bowl in the other hand. And... It was devastating. Um, she, her two children, who are now teenagers, um, 16 and 15, um, have grown up not knowing their mum. They don't see her. They have nothing to do with her. Nobody in the family now has anything to do with her. She's made our lives miserable. 
I've had to step back from her. Um, I don't see her now. I know where she is. I believe I know where she is. She's still drinking? Yes, terribly. Uh, some I can understand exactly why you step back. Some people might think uh, uh, that's that's a little bit harsh. Uh, what was what was the point when you went? Do you know what? I just cannot do this anymore, and you made that painful decision. That's right. I mean, it's heartbreaking. But every time I see her, she wants money, or she's been abused. She's constantly being abused by men who are in the same position as her. What, what was the what was the the final point, Pauline? When you just said to her, "Look, I I love you, but I can't do this anymore." I didn't say it to her. I just stepped, left her one day, and I thought, I can't do this anymore. And I didn't get in contact with her again. And she's never got in contact with me. I mean, as I said, her boys don't don't get in contact with her. They don't want to know her. And nobody else in the family does, really. Where where are your grandchildren now, then? They're with their father. Right. Um, Lovely boys. I think what they... It's one thing good things come out of it. They've seen what their mother's like, and they hardly drink. They do have a drink, but they hardly drink. Um, I mean, I offer them a drink here, and it's very often no. I don't. I don't really want one, Nan. Um, and um, one of them has got Crohn's, and I believe that maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. It's not been said, but I believe that. When she was carrying him, she was drinking and using drugs, and I believe that this is the cause of it. Um, it's caused the, the youngest one to have Crohn's. Have you? Tr- did you try and help her? Uh, oh. Did you to stop drinking? Yes, I've done everything I can. Um, we used to have people round at Christmas, and she used to come, and I used to buy in non-alcoholic wine for her, um, and not let her have a drink. Um, I wouldn't drink in front of her at all. Not that I drink much, but um, I used to. She used to go into rehab. She's been into rehab so many times that I can't. I can't remember how many. And she comes out and it starts again. She stopped for about twelve months, and then she started by one glass of wine. And I admire the man you had on earlier. I only just heard the end of what he was. That saying. was Bobby. Yes that he'll never touch a drink again. He's right. As soon as they touch that one drink, they've lost. Anna Grandmom, it must be so painful for you to know that she's suffering like that. Yes, yes. I mean, it's it's spoilt my life. It's ruined her life. I mean, she's got no life whatsoever. And every time I see her, she's either drunk or asleep, uh, sleeping the drink off. Um... And this is why I had to distance myself. I mean, every time she got just so abusive, um, she'd never come round unless she wanted something like money or somewhere to sleep. And and she wasn't nice about it. She was just so abusive. I mean, I know I can't help her anymore. It's got to be down to her. Mm. Um, And she doesn't seem to want the help. I mean, she's... As I say, she, she's lost her boys over it, and if they can't help her, then who can? She won't do it for them. Pauline, uh, C- Callan is in Bedford. Callan has called in. Callan, w- what's your uh, view on on Pauline's story? Uh, good morning. Well, first and foremost, I would like to, to say that alcoholism is a disease. This woman is sick. 
And the only people that could have helped her was her family, which let her down. I would blame the mother and, well, not as much the son, for not being there for her. She was supposed to be taken to rehab. You, as a mother, are responsible for well, your daughter. Callan, 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 yeah. hang on a second, hang on a second. Yeah. You, you, you can't blame Pauline. You just said yourself that the daughter is, is sick, it's a disease. You can't blame yes. Pauline for the daughter's disease. No, I'm not, blame, I'm not blaming her for taking action. Help. These people do need help. They need a family support, not being let down not being walked away from. But sometimes, it sounds like, and Pauline, correct me if I'm wrong, it's, it, Pauline has offered support and has offered help, and sometimes, sometimes, for the sake of the, the sanity and the health of the rest of the family, you have to let the, the, the sick person get on with their own lives. You have to step back until they're ready to get well, don't you think? I, I have children. Thank God they're too small. Yet so but I will never give up on my children. You have to take them to a hospital. You have to take them checked in to, to everything in your powers to make sure to, to be okay. at peace in your heart. Well, let's put that... that you uh, have done everything you can to, to have the... All right, Callan, it's not a brilliant line. So stay there. Pauline, what, what do you think to what Callan's saying? I have done everything. I've had her in hospital. I've had her in rehab. I've had her living with me. Um, and every time we left the house, I come back to a mess. Um, and... I had her living with me once and with her two small children and we went out and when we came back the little boy had locked himself in the cloakroom and she'd broken the door down um, because she couldn't get him out because she was drunk. I come back to um, the house being wrecked, all her friends and that have been round. Um, I've tried everything and for the sake of the rest of the family I've had to let her go, and she has got to decide that she wants to give up the drink. Callan? I can't do yeah. anything. She's, done, she's tried I, everything she can. I understand, but it's still, I mean, it's, it's, it's just, you, you don't give up. You never give up. That's, that's my opinion. OK, we, we, we have to end it there. Callan in Bedford, Pauline Luton, thank you very much, both of you, for coming on. And, Pauline, thank you for sharing... Uh, our, our story. Well, we're, we're talking about the front page of The Sun, which is a cut-out and uh, uh, display page that's supposedly going to help Paul Gascoigne save his life. Well, we're joined now by the editor of The uh, Sun newspaper, David Dinsmore. Morning, David. Good morning. Why have you done this front page? Um, for exactly the reasons that I think uh, your por- reporter said. We are trying to do some, some good here. You've got a. Uh, how is it going to help him? How is it, how is it going to help him? Because you've got a guy who uh, seems to be on a, uh, a, a course towards self-destruction um, and is getting drink from somewhere. The only way he's going to get better is by not drinking. Yeah, but so we it, can point out uh, the danger and the, the, the problems that it brings by giving him drink. Uh, maybe that will uh, go some way to stopping it. It's to sell newspapers, isn't it, David? It's to, it's to make money. You're, you're exploiting a man with a disease that's, that's slowly committing suicide. It's to make money. To, if people want to cut out uh, our front page, cut off the, the masthead of the sun and stick it up just to get that message out, I'm perfectly happy. The story I want to be writing in five years' time is an interview with Paul Gascoigne saying, I haven't had a drink for five years and I've got my life back together. What I don't want to be doing is his obituary. Listen, that's a story I want to be reading as well. I want this man to get well. But do you, do you really think the, the exploitative front pages you've had about him recently, and this in particular, it's not... Go- I don't know if you know anything about alcoholism, but this isn't going to help him at all. Well, I think, you know, if you've read the story, 
uh, and I would encourage you and your readers to do so. You will read from Ronnie Rani, the cricketer, one of his friends. You'll read from Alex Best, George Best's wife, that uh, the, most of the problem with this is fans who want to spend an afternoon with uh, their idol. They're more than happy to buy a drink for him, uh, and that is part of the problem. Uh, so that it's, this is exactly the issue that we're trying to tackle head-on here. Do you not feel that it is exploitative, though, that he has got a medical condition... The, uh, and by, by putting this on the front page, do you really genuinely believe, David, it, it, deep in your heart, that this is going to have any effect on his drinking whatsoever? Absolutely, I do. And I think that, uh, you know, the other option is just to completely ignore it. And if Maybe you, you should if do you, that. If you ignore, if you ignore uh, problems, people that haven't, people, problems that people have in society and brush them under the carpet then we'll be in a terrible position. People, people drink because they are ashamed and guilty and have low self-esteem. They drink, then they get sober and they, they have more shame and more guilt and more low self-esteem. If he sees this, this is going to make him feel like a piece of something you see on the street. This is going to make him feel worse. Well, I don't think so. Do I you know anything about alcoholism? Have you, have you worked with people who've got uh, alcoholics? I have, I have, of course, over the years I have. OK, because yeah, I, I suggest you maybe do a little bit more research because this is going to make him well, feel hold awful. hold on a second, hold on a second. Yeah. Because you're doing exactly the same. Mm. You know, you've had an entire programme based on this subject. Yeah. And you're, you know, you're tackling it in a, in a very, um, you know, your reporter's questioning uh, was, uh, you know, they were very leading questions. I don't think it's a very a balanced view of things. And what we are saying, we're going out here, we're saying, look, there is a big problem here. There's the, you've got the clash of celebrity with a disease. Uh, and th- that mixture is very potent. We've seen many footballers who've come out the other side of it because I think that actually what they go through, uh, they have uh, huge highs and many people uh, celebrating their success and what they've achieved and so on. Then their careers come to an end and they've got nothing left. They don't have a, uh, the, the, the format of going to training every day uh, so they replace that with... Uh, oh, I understand that. Listen, I totally understand it. I just, sure. I just think that this is a little bit exploitive and a little bit cruel. It's, it's not cruel at all. What, you think it's a good idea to give him a drink? No, I think it's well, a bad idea to put a front page on exploiting uh, Paul Gascoigne no, so that no. you make money when it's the, just going to make the, him feel even big, worse and make him go and drink even more. No, the big problem here is that people are giving him drink, right? That is the number one issue. Nothing else. That is not going to, David. That is not going to stop people giving him a drink. And if you really think it is, I, you, that's so, just ridiculous. So that he walks into a bar today, and people have seen that front page. I think people will think twice about it. And I and if we I hope, have, I, listen, if I hope you're right and I'm wrong. I hope you're right and I'm wrong. Then we have achieved something. I hope you're right and I'm wrong. And and uh, when will you get the figures in and how many extra papers you shifted? Well, that is not what this is about. Okay, as okay. I've already said to you. Of course, it's not. <laughs> This week, the cricket's been happening. I do not understand that ridiculous game. I especially don't understand the scoring. 169 for three? What does that even mean? Well, some of you got in touch to try and explain it. It's not necessarily the person with the biggest number that has got the what, trophy thing. It is. But what's the... So if I had 75 for nine... Right. And you had 74 for three, do I win? You see? For nine. Um, you don't know what that means. Um, I think I still win. I think I win whatever. <laughs> 
is April? Trying to explain it. Well, the two scores that you suggested, 75 for nine and 75 for three. Yeah. That means you both scored 75 runs. Yeah. Except you lost nine wickets. Yeah. Catherine lost three. So Catherine she would lost, win. Lost p- less people. Yes, she won. Okay, but supposing I got 75 for nine and mm-hmm. she got 74 for three. So she's got less points, but she lost less men. She still wins. How can she win if she has got less points than me? I got 75 for nine. Well, I'm assuming you're talking about a limited over. Uh, um, am I? Well, yeah, because that would be like ten overs. That wouldn't be very good, would it? You need to play a whole four days. Oh, for goodness sakes. How can a game go on for more than a day? Any game where you stop not only for lunch but for tea is ridiculous. You the village that I live in has actually the uh, world record for the longest played game. And, and they're proud of that, are they? Yes. Why would you be proud of, of, of being rubbish at a slow game? <laughs> they were very good and they played it for a very long time over a bank holiday weekend. Continuously played it, as in oh, through the day and through geez. the night. That's just ridiculous. <laughs> And here's John in Dunstable. He thinks he's got all the answers. The best way I can I can say this, right? Manchester United score five goals. Yes. And have two players sent off. We're talking about cricket. I know, I know that. Right. I'm, I'm going to give you an example. OK. So, so this is as simple as you can put it. Man United scored five goals and have two players so sent off. So they're down to ten men. OK, so they have two players sent off. So they've got Liverpool, ten... Yeah. Liverpool score four goals and have three players sent off. Who wins the game? Give me the stats again. Man United score five, five. Two, two players sent off. Yep. Liverpool scores four and have three players. Manchester United have won. Why have they won? Because they've got more goals. OK, England score 100 runs yep. and have five wickets. So that's 100 for five. Yeah. Yep. Australia, 99 runs, seven wickets. Who wins the game? England. Why? Because they've got more runs. There you go, you've answered but su- the No, but supposing they... Right, so England have 100... Are 100 for five. Yeah. Australia are 99 for one. Yeah. Well, England have still won the game. If it's the end of but the But they've game, lost less men. Sorry? They've lost less men. It's the, end of the, if it's the end of the game. If the time has run out, England have scored more runs. They win the game. But, but OK, all right. So, here's something then. Go it's on, 100 then. for five, England. Yeah. Australia, 99 for three. Yeah. Rain stops play. OK. Who's Rain won that? Play. Rain stops play. Time has elapsed. There's no more time to play the game. England have won the game. They've scored more runs. How can they win the game? when? If, <laughs> but they've played for like a day and Australia have played for 20 minutes. Because they've scored more runs. But the Raiders stopped the play. That can't yeah. be a valid reason for losing a game. <laughs> Rain stops play, snow stops play. If the time has elapsed, if the five days are up, if the three days are up, rain has stopped play, end of time, England has scored more runs. It's a stupid game, isn't it? (laughs) It's a ridiculous game. You talk about that, hurling in Ireland, that's even more ridiculous. Oh, go away! Call 08459-555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Don't... Don't even introduce hurling into the conversation. We're only here until nine o'clock, for goodness sakes. Well, that's it. That's your lot. Don't forget you can get this podcast either at the BBC website or from iTunes. If you do get it from iTunes, if you leave, like, I don't know, a nice comment or five stars, that would be really, really helpful. And spread the word. If you want to listen to the full episodes, they are up on BBC iPlayer for a week. Or you can listen live weekdays, BBC Three Counties, between six and nine. 
That was your host, Ian Lee. Continue as you were. Thanks. Bye. Bye again. Just stop it. Okay. Thanks for listening to this free download from BBC Three Counties Radio, your local radio station for beds, hearts and bucks on FM, AM, digital radio and online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. 